Hey guys, welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. My name is Ian. And this is Kenny. Hey. Thanks, guys. And this week, we're talking about Little Bird by Ian Van Polgeest. I, I think that's how you would say it. You mean Darcy? Oh, shit. Ian Bertram is the artist. Yeah. Darcy Van Polgeest. Yeah. And then Matt Hollingsworth on the colors. Holy shit. Yeah. It's a... That's a beautiful book. I loved this book. Yeah. I think I've been kind of hooting and hollering about it since I read the first two issues and messaged you and was like, have you, have you started this book? Because <laughs> it blew me away from the moment we saw it sitting on the shelf, you know? Um, yeah. I was so interested just by the artwork and uh, by, I mean, everything about it, kind of, and uh, I love it. Yeah. I, I love this book. I'm going to just start this whole thing. Okay. Saying yeah. that I was really blown away. Um, and I'm glad we picked it. I'm glad we kind of pushed other things aside and kind of rushed this uh, into yeah. it because I fucking enjoyed the shit out of this so. no yeah i very much enjoyed this book too it's um it's very beautiful it's um it's design its package you know, is amazing the editing mm-hmm. uh the logo design the fucking the like little beforehands on on each like little section of the story where mm-hmm. we get this logo mm-hmm. of like the different like parts of the like characters and stuff absolutely everything about this is just gorgeous it's so well put together and it deserves this eisner stamp right on the cover i agree too so much so it is an eisner winner does it say what it won exactly like what category i'm gonna look it up uh best limited series best limited series 2020 i agree i agree too (laughs) i don't know what it was up against (laughs) but i agree fuck the rest (laughs) i'm sure there was some good stuff on there too (laughs) it's like watch yeah but you're right in those kind of little details it's also kind of like raiders a little bit that had like those extra little chrome art bits and stuff at the beginning and end too so and i love that little detail um and stuff this is um it plays into science fiction. This mm-hmm. is kind of like a science fiction futuristic idea of a world. Um, and it, I think it does that while lending its hand to a lot of fantasy elements at the same time. And so I, I love this book because it, it doesn't stick to just one genre. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, do you want to read? Do you want me to read the? Yeah, I was like, you got that beautiful buttery voice. You okay, read I'll, that, uh, synopsis I'll read on the, the back. Yeah, I'll read the synopsis. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Born into an endless war between the oppressive American empire and a withering resistance, Little Bird is the rebellion's last hope. A little bit of Star Wars flares in there. Mm -hmm. Um, With her village destroyed, her mother taken hostage, and her country in ruins, the young rebel fighter must traverse a dystopic Canadian landscape on a desperate quest to free the legendary axe and reignite the flames of of resistance. To save her country, to save her people, to discover her true identity in a world on fire. <laughs> wow. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of that comes in. Yeah. It gets delivered, my man. <laughs> Sounds a little like Sweet Tooth at the end there, too. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does sound very similar. Um, so I did look into Darcy a little mm-hmm. bit, the, the writer. He is from Canada. Okay. And so this kind of comes from, like, a, a true area of, like, expertise because he he i was i listened to an interview with him Uh and he spoke on how kind of this was inspired he was doing a lot of like government work and like nonprofit like um directorial stuff for like little feature i don't know exactly what he directed but like he had to speak to a lot of native people from 
his area. Oh, okay. And so this kind of leans into like the whole idea of like um he talks about the residential schools and mm-hmm. and like its effect on the the native population in Canada. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can go look at the numerous articles that are popping up about those about schools and the yeah. crazy things happening at them. Yeah. And the crazy things that did happen to them cuz mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of them are shut down but it's like this world where it's like how could we allow this, these terrible things to happen to mm-hmm. these these poor people, you that know? we're even just now discovering. You exactly, know? It's like not even something that got figured out and ended for that reason. We're just now realizing the and horrors that were truly behind some it, of it, you know. Especially because you know we're you know we're in America, we're mm-hmm. in the United States, so we didn't know a lot of this. Yeah, was going on. You so know, true. I mean, granted, we weren't alive either, but still, <laughs> um, it's crazy. And I, yeah, I think you kind of mentioned earlier that this is very much based. It's, inspired on that kind of residential school exactly and yeah. the, the uh, almost missionary work of yes. Catholics or you know Christians I guess yeah. more specifically I think going around it is Catholics mm-hmm. because they, there's the you know the father imagery the sister imagery mm-hmm. of like the nuns and stuff like that and That's then true. they call them like bishops I mean that might reverends be reverends and bishops yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no you're right nuns alone is a good example I think it's Catholicism pretty yes. specifically yeah. right I, I, I think so um <clears throat> Regardless, regardless, this book is dope because it it leans into these ideas and blows them into gigantic per uh, like perceptions. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like this huge idea of like, what if you know Catholicism was as grand as the United States, as as terrifying as the United States when it comes to their like military power, mm-hmm. and then what if there was a resistance? against it you yeah, know what i mean definitely um so let's talk about our main character little bird the littlest bird there's a lot of narration throughout this book and she says within the first issue that this story is about her life mm-hmm. and her death mm-hmm. and there's a cool twist at the end of the first issue that really did make me say holy fucking shit <laughs> right <laughs> there was a lot of that for me in this book yeah. yeah a lot of like holy shit moments where they had great ideas that they kind of exactly merged together um and you know, kind of like you mentioned earlier um that you know the catholicism and the sorry to just bounce back just a little bit no you're fine um you know with like the christianity um kind of mixed in with like an alien element which is where i think this really shines because we get a lot of like the dystopic like what if the church took over i feel like that's an idea that's yeah. been a little flushed out but not in such a like a they're usually the ones that are like, let's stay superhuman or, you know, let's stick to like the old ways as hard as it can. I like the fact that the church in this is very much the opposite of that. And they've yeah. obviously taken on like the newest, you know, things, technologies, and technologies and-, and alien elements to like truly take over the world um, for and, sure. Yeah. And I, I love that this they they use the the Catholic Church as like an image mm-hmm. rather than what their actual beliefs are because they don't ever really say, I, I doubt they even say Jesus Mm-mm. as, as a character, as a son. name. I think yeah. they just refer to him as the son. And so it's just like, they, they, there's no, there's no actual religion in this. It's, it's just, just how far gone the religion actually is. How, <laughs> how far it's words. gone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy because you're right. Like this is a, imperial force that Mm -hmm. does anything and everything to make the strongest like you know beings alive (laughs) to like fight their you know holy war Mm -hmm. um but little bird is the child of the leader of the resistance Mm -hmm. tantu Tantu. is his mother 
or her mother. Mm -hmm. And um, the opening is all about Tantu like riling up the forces and and like hiding Little Bird away. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Tantu's like, I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm coming back. She wasn't coming back. (laughs) It's like one of those things you always know they're not coming back, right? Yeah. Um, But it's... It's just so do- dope seeing these characters because it it, do- it does lean into this idea of like natives or or at least you know the people native to ca- Canada, mm-hmm. and they're like animalistic almost. They yeah. they have like war paints and like crazy hair and like cool masks and they look vastly different than like the whole like black armor like imperial forces of like the, the yeah it's, the it's, new Vatican. It's all it's like. It's like so drastic, you yeah. know what I mean? Like genera- or like centuries drastic yeah. in the way that they're presented to you. You know, it's like in, it's so much jarring to have them, you know, standing next to each other because exactly, it's like a stormtrooper standing next to a Native American or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Little Bird is narrating this whole opening image or this mm-hmm. whole opening uh, issue, and she once she comes up from the the hole that she's hid away in, it's been three days Mm -hmm. and she finds out that the new Vatican or the United Nations of America is claiming victory against the resistance, the resistance. Everything's just fucking wiped out. Yeah. It's that image alone where it's the, that's the first image of us seeing the Bishop, the main antagonist of the book in front of the flag. It's the United States flag, but rather than, 50 stars it's just a a white cross i was like this is a different fucking book (laughs) i was like holy shit this is a fucking different image that i I, than i anticipate um i want to talk about ian bertram's art it's very much of the school of frank quietly who did um you know grant morrison's new Mm x-men he's like you, you see that, and you're like, that could that could be Zorn. You know yeah, what I mean? That's like, so true. Like it's so beautiful. But this is like where Frank quietly is great at doing, um, I guess, like proportions and stuff. Uh, Ian Bertram likes to do like a more animated, like false sense of 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 imagery because yeah. like you'll see those huge swings that the axe will take, and it's like this monster is like breaking through the the you know yeah, slicing like, through these like bodies the Hulk, yeah yeah exactly attacking someone than a real person but then he's also like as as human as little bird standing right next to him mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so that's where i love ian bertram's art so much or the proportions of of his characters because like look at that that's the mm-hmm. nun and she's just this huge like orb of a woman Yo, well, i love her she's the best mystery in this i she they don't explain anything about her and i fucking love it that she's just this floating orb nun yeah Yeah, that's just like his advisor his right hand in a way (laughs) yeah it's just she looks sick (laughs) yeah every every design of every character looks so dope um but i want to talk about the bishop because he gets Mm -hmm. his head shaved in the first issue after the war and i kind of liked his like scary like you know donut haircut where it's like just like half bald half long i think he looks so much more intimidating that way i think he looks like a psychopath that way you know what i mean it also kind of makes sense that i feel like this was him being like the war the leader of the war and so after this victory he now has taken like some leadership role that allows him exactly to look need to look more uh presentable presentable like yeah uh I can't even think of the word I'm trying to get at. But either way, I fucking love the... I think he looks sick in this entire comic, honestly. Um, And I think he's a great antagonist. You know, I think he's the kind of a perfect antagonist, which is just this already 
super-powered person who's kind of gotten everything they've ever wanted up to this point, so they don't see any anybody as a threat. You know yeah. what I mean? To him, victory is just assured. You know, it's just a place to get to, not so much as something to achieve, you know? Yeah. It's very much like the United States in a way, mm-hmm. where, like, we see ourselves as, like, you know, we might take advantage of the idea that we are you know, in quotes, the safest country because of our military power. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's it's scary to think of, like, somebody that's outside of the United States seeing how powerful we are as a military force and it's just <laughs> like... Flexing our muscles. There's yeah. nothing that can contend, you know what I mean? It's just... It, it, it shows the U.S. in a way that is obviously a caricature yeah. of, like, how we are where we're very, like... Um, faith-based. So you would argue the bishop is literally like a personified United States of America in a way? I think so. I would agree with that. In my opinion, it, this comic kind of is a caricature of like how dangerous and how powerful the United States are. And, and even, you know, religion, you know, or or even religion, because it kind of guises, you know, as that, you know. I agree. Yeah. No, because we, especially for the past, I, I, I want to say like before Obama, I feel like this nation was very, like, Christian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Obama took all of that away. No. No. <laughs> yeah, um, like, in the, I can imagine. Yeah, I agree with that. And, like, the George W. Bush yes, kind of era yeah. it was definitely more like, you know, I mean, it was like the, the God getting taken off, for the pre-God getting taken off the dollar bill times. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, yeah, everything was much more... Uh, God, we're doing this for God, you know, yeah. God is with us in this. Yeah, you one know? nation under God. Truly. It's, it's, it was very much that. And I mean, I think things have become very different from that, but mm-hmm. this looks like how that the world... divided nation we're in now, I feel that's like. That's true, yeah. No, but I feel like that this is a good look at how we could have been if like technology advanced in this creepy, creepily of a way mm-hmm. and turned us into this, you know, different, I, this horrible mirror version of us. Um, I want to talk about mods in this universe. Oh, true. Because mods are, they, they don't talk too, too much about them. And I guess it's what, what we have to expect explains people like the nun, you know what I mean? It's just, oh, well, she's just modded to be like that, you yeah. know? <laughs> and so, yeah, I love that they're just called mods, but it's mm-hmm. modified humans that have been either like through genetic manipulation or through like those genetic people passing it on to their offspring. Yeah. They've created, they've become other. And so, uh, if you could flip through the book to our first, like, look at the prison that they're holding the axe in, look at those fucking crazy people. No, one page back. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. yeah the, shit. the room, but even below that one, that room, look at all those fucking cells where it's just, like, unexplainable things. You know what I mean? It's, like, experiments that have gone too far, probably. Yeah. <laughs> or those are, like, the most dangerous mods. Like, mm-hmm. look, there's just a floating head guy <laughs> wearing glasses, and he has an upside-down cross on his head. That's fucking terrifying. It's just a head. It's just, just a giant head. Just red-ass, dude. <laughs> I showed that to Ashley. I was like, that's Rudolph the Red-Ass uh, Man. <laughs> nice. We should but, name all of these characters. Salt and Pepper up here, you know? Yeah, Salt and Pepper. Look, a couple panels away, though, you see Red-Ass again, and he's just flicking off the wall because he's backwards. His head is on, like, his face is on the backside of his head. So he's flicking him off. <laughs> I just love how much fun, like, the mods are in this mm-hmm. because it's just unexplainable. And it was something I was even going to mention is exactly there's so much unexplained shit 
in this and there's little moments where we get kind of exciting stuff like this where they like will show a panel that has something in it. it's like well what the fuck is that about you know and there's one later on I'll, we'll get into but it's where she's talking about where she's left with nothing but um the sick the yeah. you know the poor the yes. sick and then it says or the dead and the person dead is like wearing like a superhero costume he has like mm-hmm. a cape on it's like what the fuck is that there's a superhero in the cell <laughs> yeah. the top the second row yeah right there yeah. oh yeah see exactly yeah it's like wh- i guess there's just super people running around that have either been killed or you know captured yeah. at this point i love that i love that it's a world that's had every sci-fi thing obviously yeah. running around in it and it's, on top of that look at these fucking colors i know yes so matt hollingsworth does the colors and it's phenomenal it's beautiful yeah. i want to talk about blood because there's a lot of gore in this mm-hmm. book that's one thing that both you and I kind of stray from when it comes to movies. How do you feel about it in comics, portrayed specifically in this one? Because we see some real fucked some, up images. Yeah, some pretty fucked up stuff. It, it's easy for me to digest, I think, when it's drawn out. Absolutely. It's when it's still, more it's, cartoony? Yeah, it's still nothing I'm I'm aiming to find, but we, yeah, exactly when it's animated and a little more cartoony. Because I even feel like this is still drawn to be... a little jarring you know yes, and same yeah. thing you know we read sweet tooth just a little while back and it had some pretty violent and jarring moments in yeah. it um but there's something about it put to comic that i can just you it's I easier to, ex- to, to digest it and stuff. Yeah. and i think even funny enough a lot of it at the end of the day has to do with sound you know oh, i really yeah. think and 60 percent of gore is the way it sounds yeah, not as I much as what i'm seeing you know the snapping of bones the squirting of blood you know yeah. things like that the squishing of guts you know i think it's uh <laughs> i think it's in our uh, annihilation uh conversation yeah that's a rhymer that's exactly right um that's where i i had spoke on where i don't find like distress in characters terribly haunting unless i hear them screaming Mm -hmm. bloody murder and that's when i'm like oh i can't fucking do this because like um let's go to the kingsman movie where there's that whole church scene to go back to catholicism that's such a good example (laughs) of like pure violence but put in a way that's so digestible like a pop punk song or some shit not a pop punk song but like a punk pop song (laughs) and and suddenly i'm like oh this is badass Mm -hmm. because like he's just chopping up these fucking like Right wingers, you know what I mean. I want to see. You know how they make those YouTube videos where it's like this scene, yeah. how it would actually sound. I want to see that one where it's just like people just ah no. <laughs> but yeah, no, like um, if you were to put, you know, um, what's the song? The song, oh, the immigrant song oh. from Led Zeppelin. If you were to put that on the. Uh, the Guardians of the Globe scene from Invincible, I'd be like, oh, this is fucking dope. But because there's no music and you hear everybody's elbows breaking and skulls cracking in half and just everything. And gasps. And people yeah. screaming and like, why would you do this? Yeah. And, and true despair. And that's, no, yeah. That's when I'm like, oh, fuck, this hurts. I can't do this. And then in the comic book, it's just like, oh, he's just slicing right through the boy. Yeah. That's all that's happening, you know? You can read the nose and owls as, <laughs> as violently as you want to. That's exactly right. Um, but uh, let's talk about Little Bird. Mm-hmm. She was left with the map or no maybe it was a note from her mom about you free the axe mm-hmm. you free the people you save the great north exactly. something like that it's pretty yeah it's a pretty straightforward mission and yes. she's hell-bent on doing that which essentially starts with freeing the axe exactly yeah. so we see her kind of run through a little mission of getting into the <laughs> so much bloodshed in this fucking book 
Uh, it's just you know the oh where she yeah she gets the wolf yeah she gets hold the on wolf. I got a uh, a call real quick okay I have to poop we might hello as well pause here okay uh, just a little insight for you at this point I would have put played the the Wii music the dun 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 and then now we're back um, so now that we've all pooped and we're all yeah, good I'm all pooped out <laughs> um, let's get back into it so okay. little bird is. Trying to get into the prison. Yeah, infiltrating this fucking dope-ass prison. Which we talked a lot on. And and she's going to free the axe. And we see him, and he's fucking glorious. He he has... I'm not gonna lie, when she first got this axe, I thought that was the axe. So Uh, I didn't expect her to be going to get a person. I was a little confused about what was going on. But yeah, once we see the man and the legend, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, he's a dump truck of a man. Um, he's an, he's an absolute fucking dump truck. Um, (laughs) that's the only (laughs) word you can even think of. He's a monster. I mean, he's basically, if the Hulk was a real person, Yeah. I mean, he's just a giant and I'm assuming his size is due to mods and things like that. You know, he's just giant buff soldier Santa, you know, he's obviously been through the worst of it because he's got Deadpool skin as fuck, you know? Yeah, for sure. He's all scarred up. His t-shirt I love is because it's just the Canadian flag, but it's in the shape of an axe, which is like the most like just base idea. (laughs) It's just like, who's our, who's our go-to guy? It's the guy in the t-shirt wearing the axe. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, fuck. (laughs) Um, But it, little bird goes there to break him out of jail specifically. And there, oh, this is the best part is that there's, what are they called? The army of 12 is anticipated to to arrive and they arrive in like these bubble things Mm -hmm. it looks so dope i love those guys um but to kind of fast forward a little bit there's that guy with the mustache the security guard yeah um i thought he was gonna be a bigger deal i thought so too i I thought thought he was gonna be more involved like a main character or something um it's interesting to see his demise at the end of this book but um we see that tantu has been um like i guess uh she's been Captured. Shit, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Tantu's been captured. You're fine. Um, And the bishop is obviously wanting something from her, and they keep talking about this kid named Gabriel, Mm -hmm. who we don't see in the first issue. And so I just love that there's a lot of mystery that this book sets up without, like, having to feed it to you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's barely, it's just kind of stringing you along in a a good enough way that it's like, I want to know more. I'm learning as much as I can right now. And so that's all I know through context. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's one of those stories that keeps giving you questions, but like not in a frustrating way. It's in a way of like, holy shit, why is this happening? Oh my God, why is this happening? Who are they talking about? You know? Yeah. Uh, And they do it in a super great way. Um, And I thought this scene was super intense. You know, where she's all blood. I mean, exactly. We'd go back to blood, you know? And this put to screen would be a lot harder to probably tolerate you know a lot of these more violent scenes um but they're great and i love the the relationship we kind of see between them where there's obviously some kind of something more yeah you there's know? some sort of familiar relationship yeah. and then we see these fucking little nightmares <laughs> um let's talk very broadly about these characters like these yeah because yeah. they're they're obviously like soldiers that are just like their entrails or yeah. something it's like intestine they're, i can't imagine they're like particularly sentient you know what yeah. i mean they have to just be almost like robots or like you know like thoughtless beings that are just yeah. being you know ordered around 
because they look fucking nuts. Most of them are identical. Yeah. Yeah, in looks. But who do you think scarier? Little boys and <laughs> with fucking nightmares <laughs> the choir on their boys or fucking faceless goob monsters? Ooh. They're both pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, let's talk about the axe and like his broader importance of the story. Mm-hmm. He is immortal. Mm-hmm. And he has this thing called the resurrection gene. And, okay, let's look, I want to talk about this panel real quick. Yeah. When the army of 12 lands at the jail and he's escaping, there's this beautiful panel where it shows him swiping, slicing his axe right through a fool. And the background panel on him is a younger version of him slicing his axe. I, that's, that's perfect poetry to me. You know what I mean? It's unspoken. You know, you can, it's, it, you get so much emotion and understanding of what, how he's feeling, what's going on without a, a dialogue, you know, besides a shook. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a, not a beat has been missed between mm-hmm. him and his ex. You know what I mean? He's still, a, he's still got it. And uh, this is where the gore kicks into overdrive. Holy shit, right? Because <laughs> the next page is splattered with blood. And the panel, the in between the panels is yeah. literally just blood and guts. <laughs> Um, fuck. Yeah. So we learned that he has the resurrection gene Mm -hmm. and he is, he is, this is his kind of like call to heroism. Like it's like the classic story of like the hero's journey where she's calling to him to come and help free the North. And he's denying that, that call. He's rejecting the call. And it's not until the twist ending of this first issue that we really get what, what, the north and what everything means to him yeah exactly because we see the fucking security guard with the mustache come back and he shoots little bird right through the goddamn neck god damn and then he gets pretty much what he gets for it the axe cuts him right down the middle long ways Mm. (laughs) long ways god damn it that's exactly right i wonder if you'd feel any of that you know what i mean or if it's just because it's like i think if it starts with the brain you're dead yeah it's just like even that split initial second exactly of that hack it's like how fast you know it's like either way you have a thought of fuck you know yeah. so that's being swung down at you <laughs> fuck dude and it was his last day he was gonna retire <laughs> that's why he's so pissed yeah he did retire yeah <laughs> he's he's definitely retired <laughs> he's expired um so yeah this first issue it ends like we see a flashback of the axe when he was young and obviously the bishop is taking a baby from him mm-hmm. and he's reading the note that Tantu has left with Little Bird and oh, Little yeah, Bird's he's carrying Little Bird's corpse around with him until he can bury her and that's the end of the first issue. That's just how it ends. And yeah, the note says, free the axe, save the people, free the north, save the world. God damn. Yeah. So I want to I want your overall thoughts on this first issue because from here on out I'm kind of just going to speak broadly on like the rest of the story. Yeah, what goes on after this? Because yeah. exactly this first issue did did this come out all at once or do you were you thinking no, it came I, out in it issues? came out issue to issue. I would have been blown away if I read this first issue. You know I what I mean? Been I'd, too. I'd be like, I guess it's not even about her anymore. Now that the next story is going to be called the axe. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's incredible, but it drew me in so good. Um, but I will say like. I think they did such a good job in the storytelling in these final, that little flashback moment where I was like, I bet she's got to be a relative of his. I bet she's obviously going to come back at the end of this. I thought she was that baby. 
I thought he and Tantu somehow, and he just aged super that fast. aggressively? Oh, okay. In like, within like seven years or however old Little Bird's supposed to be. Gotcha. I, I kind of guessed it was maybe generational. Yeah. yeah. So, because um, he can't look at him. He's yeah. You know, it's beautiful. He kind of looks like Guts from Berserk in, in, when he's younger. Oh, like young? Yeah. He looks like the like Guts from Berserk. Um, they did such a good job of giving putting the scars exactly. I know it sounds silly, but you know it's like the yeah. he's significantly younger, and so there are more scars on the older body, but the ones that were there before are perfectly placed. You yeah. know, so I just think the detailing in this book is so great, and I really think that uh, Matt Hollingsworth's art coloring is what yeah. puts it up to twelve. You know what I mean? Just so much of the art, the color choices took Ian Bertram's art and just made it unbelievably good. I, you know, I like, agree. It makes me wonder how they work. I, I can imagine the colors are digital, digital, and then the line work is all like um, traditional physical work. That's how I I would anticipate it being done. But who knows? I, it's it's just so good looking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and we really get this final this technical final page of you know Tantu, who yeah. I thought was actually going to be our hero in that first yeah. you know, issue. You know, when I first saw those first, I was like, oh, she's our main character. So when she kind of gets taken away right at the beginning. It was a big surprise to me. I thought she was going to be a more relevant character, as you know, in a way, you know, like well, more here, directly. At, like at the end of the first issue, it very much leads you to believe that because mm-hmm. she's still alive at the end of the first issue. You sure. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, let's get into it. The second issue, I, I don't want to talk too much about issue yeah, to issue. Yeah broad, yeah, broad strokes. Yeah, but we see a lot of weird imagery of like, little bird experiencing like out of body kind of stuff yeah, so she almost has like a dream world she can kind of go yeah. into is what i'd say whenever she dies yeah yeah and so that's the thing this resurrection gene is in little bird and so she was able to survive the bullet shot mm-hmm. she comes out of the ground eventually um and throughout this book we find out that her journey to save the north is very much f- w- far more familial than we had anticipated yeah and um Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll finish talking about the whole of Little Bird. You got it. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers. (laughs) Um... We're talking about Little Bird. Um, I'm going to start talking very broadly about the comic, and I want to ask, what is what is one of your favorite parts in this book? God. Because I'm sure there's numerous. There's a lo- there's so much good parts, and I think a lot of her deaths, you know, are just sick, and m- more so the way that they're presented to us, you know, the way that they really break a yeah. traditional comic book format, you know, and we get, like, these wild-ass panels where they're just all broken up and however they want, you know? Um, and that's one of the things I really loved about this is a lot of the freedom they chose to take in, in those kind of art styles, you know, yeah. that really give you the feeling of kind of being crushed or choked to death, you know, it like gives you more of a feel of that. But, uh, to not spoil too much, but the, you know, the axe's kind of final moments was like something that I kind of had to like double read and be kind of like, you know, like, like put the, put the book down for a moment because I was genuinely sad that we were, that, that was as far as that character was going. You know what I mean? I didn't, we didn't, I, I will say about the axe, we didn't see him in ashes. You think there could still be more axe? There could still be a chance of the axe's return That's because fair. out of the characters that we do see die, we see 
burnt ash. I guess that's true. As like the the, the rem- remnants of them. Yeah, that like the confirmation that they have died. He got fucked up though. <laughs> he got very fucked up. And so that's something that I want to talk about. So we see at least four characters with the resurrection gene mm-hmm. in this book. Um the way that the bishop or or I guess the main antagonists decide to kill these people is with fire. Mm-hmm. And it's like that kind of classic idea of like burning away the evil. That is not – I did not anticipate that. Like, you know, when you think about like killing some, a character like Wolverine who has in essence the same idea mm-hmm. of, a, of a power – it doesn't seem like fire works. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do you feel about that whole aspect of, of the book? I mean, the thing is, is you can burn a body to nothing but ash. So, I mean, you would think it could potentially work on Wolverine. The, his problem, like, an argument would be the Animantium being like that's unmeltable, true. you know, yeah. so that's like that one part of him you can never destroy. But it's like, yeah, drowning you think would be another perfectly logical option. But it looks like I think the big difference is they can literally they literally die and come back having heal, their bodies having healed itself. You know, and I that's, think that's true. kind of the big difference that the could be difference. argued the big difference. Yeah. So maybe like to burn to ash, it like destroys the the essence of their soul or, you know, you know something like that. That's exactly. And it's like a sinner, you know, it's there's very, a goes lot back of the spiritualism mm-hmm. in this book. Re- like on top of the Catholicism, you know what I mean? Like the the main well, characters. I like the idea that I mean, because how I see though that dream world she kind of enters is like the people that have this resurrection gene can kind of enter this reality with each other. You know, yeah. where once they're permanently dead, maybe they're just kind of trapped there in this resurrection purgatory. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, that's how we learn about Tantu's backstory mm-hmm. about like her finding out that she's not the bishop's daughter and like her trying to take her own life. Do you remember that mm-hmm. where she like jumped from the building? That was terrifying <laughs> to see her body like. Destroyed. All mangled and fucked yeah. up, and you're like, she's fine. She's got the, <laughs> she's got the resurrection thingy. That's so funny. So it, like, to be forward with our reader or mm-hmm. our, our listeners, because I'm sure a lot of them have read the book if they're listening to this episode. Um, Tantu is the Axe's daughter, mm-hmm. and at, Tantu had gave birth to twins, which I found a very cool. Dude, that reveals sick. You know yeah, what I mean? A because very cool reveal. I like that they kept Gabriel in a mask. Yes. The whole time for, you know, you, you just think it's like for a sickness or whatever reason. So when he finally takes it off there, it's like the man in the mask and they're essentially twins. You know, they're yeah. like identical twins, which doesn't happen with you yeah, know, no, yeah. <laughs> opposite sex twins. But it's OK. We can go a little rugrats there. Um, oh, one other thing that was my favorite scene real quick, though, is we'll jump back to it once we were done talking about this. But this shit, I just want to remember this shit fucking shook me to my fucking core. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, so. Gabriel and and Little Bird are twins, and they do a fake out at the end of issue four, I believe, because it's right before the last issue. Did you understand that that's what was happening? I didn't understand it until the fifth issue. I was like, damn, Little Bird just got burnt to ash. What the fuck happens now? Because did you go back and look at the panels and realize that they hinted at it pretty good? I read, that's what I did. I read and it. I realized that they kind of mm-hmm. reveal it to you, yeah, in a lot of ways. So do you think the person who shaved? his head is the guard that helped her out. That would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible to see cause it, it, it twists and turns throughout every issue. It's just this gorgeous display of like characters, like being whole heroes. How do you feel about Sarge? 
What is his name? Oh, yes. Max yes. something. We'll just call him Sarge. <laughs> How'd you feel about Sarge? I loved Sarge, and I loved that moment with him and the axe that they were like, oh, you know, it's like yeah. that classic moment where, you know, they're on the opposite side till they meet each other and realize, you know, we even got it in Sweet Tooth, you yeah. know, where they, um, but I was bummed out that he, like, instantly betrayed him, you know, and it was just for money. It's like the classic money, and it's like, and I feel like in a world like this, money wouldn't matter that especially, so much especially you know? for someone like sarge you know what i mean and so and then he basically just immediately flip-flop sides from what we can understand right after that you know what i mean i liked that because it, it kind of showed his humanism mm-hmm. it, it, he was like fuck i feel real guilt and like he even admits that like you know because he comes back to that bishop or that whatever a priest or yeah reverend the reverend the reverend um he comes back to him with the the ingot of gold and he smashes him over the face and he's like this isn't real gold yeah. and then later he admits like i didn't know for sure if it was real or not <laughs> he's like bring the gold it, it could have been real <laughs> there is those panels where they shoot a rocket at the sarge's ship it's uh-huh. like a giant like metal detector um and the axe is like sarge wait and he like reaches for the missile he like the way that ian bertram draws those panels you can see the motion in slow motion of the axe trying to reach back at the missile to save sarge and it makes me wonder like what would have happened if he did catch the missile (laughs) yeah would he just blown up in his hand right there well i think it's to understand that the tip of him once in contact is what causes them to detonate you know so exactly could have caught it like turned around yeah typical uh action movie kind of yeah nonsense like uh yeah that would have been badass. <laughs> that would have been badass. But I really did like Sarge, and I like, once, you know, we, we haven't talked too much on it, but there's like weird, wormy... Yeah, the tentacles. The tentacle kind of shit we get, and it's all over the place, and it obviously, I guess, has to do with the mods a I, little bit, but at yeah. the same time, I think it's like something greater than that that we really don't get a, it, a total explanation for, like something more sentient or, you know, maybe like yeah. an even greater power that's maybe corrupting people is what I had is something I was kind of theorizing, especially because really early on we see the reverend like, or, you know, bathing or in a bathtub of it, the bishop bathing in a bathtub of it. And it's like, what is this stuff and what is its power? And so, you know, like Sarge has this entire arm of it, you know, it's so interesting to just try to guess like, what is this shit? You know, do you think it's just mod? Is it, would that be your guess? If I were to make a, I think that that's just kind of something that Ian Bertram draws. Mm -hmm. I think that that's like a stylistic choice is like, I want to do weird, like entrails and like, like, um, what's the word intestines or something. Um, but I mean, it could be something more because they are all the same color. They're all Mm -hmm. always pink or red. And so it, it maybe it's like the way the mod changes the body. It gives me very like resident evil feels in a way, you know? No. Yeah, definitely. It's, there's a lot of like kind of body horror mm-hmm. in this book because we see like split open bodies and like let's talk about a panel that really brought the devil out of you, which oh, was yeah. the we see what the the new Vatican has done to a lot of the disbelievers and it's just these giant mon- monumentous crosses and of crucified people of crucified people like the crosses these giant buildings are just riddled with these crucified people and it's just it seems like it's just all the way through it's yeah. just endless crucifixion crucified uh, cruci- what is it crucifixion yeah. uh it's just it's it's crazy i mean it's like countless dead exactly yeah. and it's just crazy to think about the scale of like murder that this you know this power source would be doing you know just to keep their control it's like where are they even finding these people these non-believers to kill at this point yeah do you think the 
resurrection gene that they finally successfully pull from Little Bird, do you think they use that to heal their people? Because we see that's why Gabriel has a clean face mm-hmm. by the time that he goes and, and visits Little Bird for the last time. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why they wanted Little Bird or Tantu was to try and pull the resurrection gene from them? Because I think for more selfish reasons than anything, but absolutely, I feel like that's just yet another power for them to have. I mean, imagine if they can take that power for themselves and like know? modify it and use it mm-hmm. as like a, a cure and make them one make themselves immortal. You know, True. even beyond that, probably. Yeah. It does it kind of imply that the bishop does do that, where he kind of makes he gives himself the resurrection gene, or at least end? tries to. Yeah, because like at the end, Little Bird is trying to live like a quiet life, I mm-hmm. guess, and he he shows up again. And the army of twelve follows him there. I read the ending once. I read just about everything yeah. twice, and oh, then really? I read the ending ending once. How does it end? You want to go over that for us? Yeah, let me even look over it again too, because I also only read the ending once. Because <laughs> we see, yeah, there's those entrails again. You're mm-hmm. right, and she's like older, and she has scars. Yeah, she's like, I mean, she's like her mom's age from what yeah. we can kind of see. So it's been, it's even been a while since he like show, you know. Yeah. Oh, and we see that she's sided with the. Oh, the, right. Bubble Nun. That's yeah, Bubble right. Nun. <laughs> Bubble Nun wants to be good. I actually liked that. I like Bubble Nun, and I thought yeah. she looked cool, so I thought it was pretty dope that she wanted to be good, and then, yeah, the little bird's like, ha, ah, just kidding, fuck you. <laughs> she yeah, blows she her ass up. Tries to blow her up. I, I bet you anything Bubble Nun survived that shit. Yeah, probably. probably can't beat Bubble Nun. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, the, the book ends open-ended very open-ended yeah and it's because we're getting kind of a prequel and a sequel after this we're getting a a prequel all about bishop coming into power and coming into how he is and then we get a sequel like a a sequel respective to little bird how do you feel about that do you want more little bird definitely yeah actually i think this is such a cool universe and they left so much perfectly perfect stuff unanswered in this that they could explore both before and after you know what i mean i think that this is a story that could take advantage of that you know in a lot of ways and i i love this book i think it definitely you know i'm gonna i started really strong at the beginning i think it deserves the limited series that it got it's such a great story with such great world building if anything i love this book so much as a story but i kind of hate this book because it just shows how much so many great ideas have been flushed out. You know what I mean? Like, look at this. This is so many amazing ideas crammed into five issues, essentially. Yeah. And it and it takes us into a whole new world that is, like, exactly kind of spookily possible, you yeah. know, in a lot of ways. Or, you know, if we... And like, so, a, like a weird twisted version of a very possible future. Mm-hmm, so. um, do, you, do you wish this had more issues than what we were given here? I think it could have had more issues and that'd be okay. I don't think it needs them. I guess would be my answer to that. You know what I mean? There's some things that could have been flushed out. I think, you know, they could have maybe stuck like a whole issue about the the young axe or something. We could have gotten a whole issue that was the story of the young axe and maybe, you know, or like a whole issue about Tantu. So we got a little bit more reference to her, you know, like maybe something like that. I think it could have grown from and like exactly six issues, I think would have been just as well as five, you know, Um, but it doesn't need them. And I like a lot of the the thought this comic book requires you to take into it. You know what I mean? And it leaves you filling in spaces, but in a fun way. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. what are all these fucking weird tentacle things? What's with all the superheroes fucking hanging around or hiding around, you know? Yeah. What has gone on in this world, you know? This is such a beautiful space between, like, Sweet Tooth and Coda. And it's just, like, 
it's making me realize I love these like dystopic fucking it's like alt fantasy worlds yeah alt fantasy worlds um it's it's how do you feel about bishop's whole arc because i mean he he wants you know what's best i guess for the vatican he's he's a maniacal man well and i think what we even realize at the end of the day is he's uh, kind of a man in love you know what i mean i think a lot once again this is all a little more familiar than it kind of wants you to even lead on and at, uh, at the end of the day i think this is him kind of just trying to get the woman he loves and his kid back even beyond the fact so that- wait that's a question i wanted to ask is tantu is the baby mm-hmm. that he's that the bishop steals from the axe mm-hmm. is it also i think it implied that he's also the father of gabriel of gabriel and because she ran runs off but she we never really see how she becomes impregnated gabriel. so i took it very much as that he i mean yeah raised her but then impregnated her you know what i mean wow that is twisted. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. I thought. I mean, I because I, I, I wanted to ask that because I had that thought too. Because mm-hmm. yeah, Gabriel is obviously. I, I just assumed like he was the grandfather of Gabriel, so he was gonna just say, "Oh, you don't need to worry about your mother. I'm your father." Yeah, you know what I mean. But the idea that like Tantu is or it, Little Bird and Gabriel are biologically his children. Mm-hmm. That's fucking twisted man and he sees them as something that he owns and and can use the way he wants to you know what i mean so that's really how i interpreted a lot of how exactly how his um the reasons he's doing things you know what i mean and the way he's so hellbent on it you know because little bird even calls him father Mm -hmm. and i you know i assumed it was like in the biblical sense yeah yeah, the catholic kind of way where it's just like father i've said you know um that's fucking wild because how old was he? He must he must be because let's say if Precious Metal takes place thirty five years ago, mm-hmm. and that must I think Precious Metal I think I, bet, the, I mean he could be in his fifties you know? yeah, yeah I think the idea is Precious Metal ends with him taking Tantu from the axe mm-hmm. pretty much I think that that's probably a good assumption to make that must mean he is now currently at least like yeah like you were saying like 50 no even maybe even 60 yeah holy shit and i mean i know a man in his 60s who's who just had a baby so it's a thing (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy um yeah because i mean who else would be unless they experimented on tantu and like Mm -hmm. impregnated her like falsely or she got pregnant through that first initial time there she's just traveling the world is what we you know is what we could have been hinted at but it doesn't give any context to that you know what i mean that's what i'm saying like if it it was going to be something like that we should have gotten an issue all about that all about tantu and those travels that must be something that we learn about Mm -hmm. because yeah i mean like the the there is that issue the second issue starts with like her whole backstory Mm -hmm. and i think she left pregnant and then she goes and lives with that other lady and the Vatican shows up and they fight her. The The lady like mm-hmm. throws a frying pan at the guy and she's running with two babies, with Gabriel and Little mm-hmm. Bird. I wonder what she would have named Gabriel. Big Bird. Big Bird. <laughs> Maybe a uh, little cub or yeah. something. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Little Bird has a headwig, as you noted earlier. Mm-hmm. Her name is Oki, the owl. Oh, see, look, these were those panels I was talking about earlier where she's like, you know, the broken, the dying, and the dead. And it's, oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like there's a hanging superhero. I just love it. Like, it's, why? it's crazy. Um, this book is so dope. What do you want 
from here on out. If you were to have a sequel, what would you have it about? Because like it, it very as in post what goes on in this book. Yeah, because I mean, this book, I feel like as much as I want more, I feel like it ends well enough that it's like this is all you need. What could the sequel be about? Do you genuinely believe that the bishop was the most powerful person in the church? Genuinely, I feel like oh. we're seeing the most powerful guy in the area. You know, oh. is something I would even guess, and I'm sh- I gotta assume there's a much greater threat to Little Bird and to the resistance than even him himself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's got to be someone who has the, or they, the Order of Twelve. Is that what they're called? The Army of Twelve. The Army of Twelve. There's got to be someone who's got the Army of Twelve Hundred. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, so that I think would be really interesting is to maybe see like this the the Pope. You know, of yeah. this entire organization. You know, like be like, oh well, who's screwing with my you know people in this area and you know in west getting to see an even greater version of these threats you know come to fruition i think that'd be a neat you know it could something they could do you know there's just so much more fun they could play with these ideas in my opinion do you think the axe will return you do so i will have faith that (laughs) i I believe yeah i believe that that wasn't the end of that i read his i read that as his demise um so i i mean i would be optimistic and happy to see him again but i feel like that was a pretty brutal uh because i think we were supposed to take the burning to death as the as like like that finale that's how it you know well that's how they finish him you know so we didn't necessarily need to see it to but we'll see because i mean we do see tantu's ashes Mm -hmm. that's another thing we see her no well we see her burning just as well as we see gabriel that Mm -hmm. fake out it got me fucking good. Like, like it got me good too. No, I had to literally go back and. Read. No, I don't mean like it. Like no. tricked me. I'm saying like the idea that Gabriel would do that, oh, feel yeah. such guilt after not knowing his mother this whole time, and then knowing his mother and killing her, that he would willingly sacrifice himself for Little Bird is, that's that's golden to me. That's that's beautiful storytelling. It's like he sees himself as the sacrificial son. It, it's like him taking all the words he's been learning and actually reading them the right way. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's a good call. He is like the the mm-hmm. God's son. That, mm-hmm. that's he's like a, Abraham's son, you know? Yeah. Or even Jeebus. Jeebus. <laughs> Jeebus. Um, anyway, I think that's it, man. Well, what about adaptation? Oh, this I could see at adaptation. This I could see adapted into a fucking show, like a television, like yeah, an, a live I mean, action. Yeah, television? I could even see this done live action and done really well. I this is a medium that I think they could pull it off because it you could turn down the violence a little bit and it'd be fine. But I could see like I don't know HBO Max or you know someone putting the budget towards an idea like this to give it the scale and the. Uh, what's a what's a show that has like a similar budget that you would want this to have? Because, like, I look at Netflix and I see something like Altered Carbon mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm, not that good looking. Yeah, I mean, see, exactly. And Raised by Wolves is an HBO oh, series that yeah. is immediately what came to my mind, which is exactly the same thing. It's not amazing but it's it's in my it's stand it's tv quality cgi you know what i mean it's hard to rise above that because i mean name something that i've there's that's what i'm saying like it's hard to think like Loki, about you know i think that's some of the better i mean i think that's some of the better standard of cgi yeah. we're gonna see and that's because that's freaking disney you know what i mean who's gonna that's stand true. up against them you know i think if we were to see this adapted i would want to see it like a you know we don't have um uh, like adult animation that's taken seriously. If you hear the word adult animation here in America, you think of American Dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bojack Horseman, which yeah. is the more serious side of it, but still it's got to have that like quirky. It's it's a comedy. Yeah. Front forward. Like uh, face front facing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
the idea of this being like adult animated like taken seriously like true drama like, like samurai jack that, i'm trying to think of like an american yeah, that's a serious one. animation yeah and that's the this best is I very sim- similar to samurai jack in mm-hmm. a lot of ways where it's like unexplainable dystopian kind of weird future just crazy ass backgrounds with shit that just makes you have to think about it <laughs> yeah and and i love that about this this genre of science fiction where it's like we're not sitting here explaining to you how any of this works you're just gonna have to take it mm-hmm. how it is you know what i mean and i really love that about this book Me that's too. that's kind of how um adventure time is mm-hmm. where adventure time is like kind of giving you ideas or hints of like what the past may have been before all of this yeah. craziness and happened. hints that it, it was a world eerily similar to our own you exactly, know <laughs> yeah and so i i love that where it's like you don't need true explanation it's just take it how it is and yeah. this is how it is you we're know gonna I mean? drop these little easter eggs here and there and your brain's gonna pick them up or it's not yeah um do cool. you think that would you want to see a series that takes place in this universe that isn't directly part of this narrative yeah per se i think so i, I mean i even i think even if you ventured away from these characters um i think there's even some characters in this story we could learn a little bit more about like our one-armed guard guy. Hey, shoot, make me a story about that dude. I bet he's got an interesting life. Why does he have I a robotic think, arm? I think both of his arms are robot yeah. robotic. <laughs> it's so weird that like let's learn about that guy's first day of work. <laughs> <laughs> Having to work in this fucking insane asylum for modded mm-hmm. people. Um, it could be like a superior foes of Spider-Man, where it's like a quirky you know, or like Super Jail from oh, yeah. uh, Adult Swim. <laughs> and it's just the day in the life and all the crazy shit he deals with. I bet there'd be five fun ass issues of that. You know? Yeah. Um he upset me because I wanted to like him mm-hmm. very much and then he shoots a little bird and the I don't first... blame him. That's just yeah. it. Yeah I liked him even through that because you don't blame him for his actions. Yeah because he probably thinks like oh I can definitely kill the little girl. I can't <laughs> kill the axe. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's interesting he's got his eye like dripping out of his skull he's like i'm not gonna live after this he's probably not thinking rationally so he needs to get some sort of revenge and so he decides to kill the little girl <laughs> well, i mean she's the one who did all this shit you know she's True. the one who fucking started it so <laughs> fuck you and then the axe breaks out as if he could have the whole time well that's what we're basically hinted at because he's like what you were wanting to rescue him all he does is fucking sit there and then he gets up and fucking smashes through it right in that moment i think he's meant to really be like a defeated hero i think after the take the after well he must have been rampaging for longer than that because i mean unless he just got that old in that cell no well i mean he's he's definitely been yeah in custody ever since the baby was taken no i think i think he's probably fought because i mean he knew unless sarge was before that Mm -hmm. that's a good fucking question was he he in jail all that time that would explain why he could have aged a little bit more aggressively because you would just get great haired fucking sitting in a gel cell like that you know yeah that's true i mean look at any president whenever they join or <laughs> like they obama, join the presidency yeah. i think obama was the greatest example of that that's exactly right <laughs> poor man um you aged 40 years and eight <laughs> <laughs> fucking god damn it um Joe Biden looks exactly the same as when Obama was in the presidency. Yeah. Um, he looks like he's fucking ancient. Mm-hmm. His his skin's already slid off the bones. You know, <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing's hanging on anymore as it is. Uh, no, but this is a good book, Little Bird. I highly recommend. It's it deserves its Eisner. It's it deserves more Eisners. I think it deserves to win every Eisner from here on out till the end of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait for more. 
Mm. Uh, the The prequel is called uh, Precious Metal, and it's about Bishop. What a sick title! I mean, Little Bird, Precious Metal, and fucking their titles. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Um, and uh, I have no idea what the sequel of Little Bird is going to be called, but it's probably going to have a dope ass title too. It'll be like um, TBD. <laughs> yeah, TBD. It'll be something like. Uh, strange octopuses or something <laughs> like octopi um but yeah thank you guys for listening follow us on instagram mm. uh, that's going to be in the show notes what are we um, talking about next week do we even know oh fuck we don't know um we had something listed on here and i i was looking at our google drive and i was like i think maybe i was thinking more on the movies where i was like those are actually kind of perfect so let me see let me see we have yeah we don't have shit for the comics what do you want to do? Do you want to do something Marvel and DC? Do you want to do something... I think the only DC thing we've done is Batman, huh? Do you want to do a DC book? Okay. Um. What about... If this thing would fucking load, that would yeah, be I'm, so I'm sick. Right we got Longbow Hunters, Mr. Miracle, Superman Secret Identity, Superman Birthright, Red Sun, All-Star. Let's read uh, Superman All-Star. Okay. You cool it's, with that? We'll get our game on. Okay, thank you guys for being here. I'm going to do the whole yeah. ending again. Thank you guys for being here. Um, we enjoy your company. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. Like and That's exactly that, right. Yep, you got it, Obama. Um, Obama, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Do not, do, do not be the uh, potato salad person. Don't be the potato. Why, why not be the potato salad person? If somebody gets sick, they, they blame the potato salad. Oh. It's good advice. That's exactly right. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, come back next week. We're going to be talking about Superman, uh, or no, All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. What a fucking, what, what a, a team. What a team. Yeah. Um, and game on, go play, you know? You got it, dude. <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram. That's in the description on this podcast. And uh, please come back next week. Yeah, we will uh, see you then, and we'll see you on another time. Latest on the menu. Bye. Bye guys.